Hi, everyone, and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the podcast where we take a K-drama and we watch it four episodes at a time, and then we get together here to discuss everything about it. Yeah, this week we did episodes five through eight of um, Hotel de Luna. Wow, just about <laughs> lost it there. And <laughs> Oh, it's so good. So buckle up. And get ready to hear, like, 40 straight minutes of me just talking about how much I love Manuel. Oh my god, it's so good. And I love Manuel, and I love P.O., and I wrote down his name so that I could actually get with it. Hyunjung. He gets yeah. his own romance? Are you kidding me? Yeah, uh, except I'm starting to wonder if it's a one-sided romance where he's like, my little sister, and she's like, I've got a big crush on you, and it's just gonna be super weird. Yeah, they're definitely taking it in the one-sided direction. But I don't know, he could get with the program eventually. I don't know what's gonna happen if he does get with the program. I don't support dramas that are about ghosts falling in love. There are at least a few dramas where... People, human live people fall in love with ghosts and the ghost falls in love with them. But um, I don't watch those because I don't understand what the point is. No, because um, they're dead, so that's tricky. And there's nothing that you can remedy there as far as I know. Though I guess K-dramas do reserve the right to play with like the laws of death and life. It's fantasy. It's fantasy. We'll see where it's going. Um, I did one time a long time ago when I was in college and roommates with Emily's sister read a book that Em's sister had recommended to me. It was called, I actually don't remember what it was called. Good book <laughs> recommend. Um, but it was about two ghosts inhabiting the bodies of teenagers that fell in love and not the teenagers didn't fall in love, the ghosts did. Though I think there was a sequel where the teenagers got their bodies back and fell in love. Oh, that's nice. I yeah. read a similar book where a girl is like a medium. It's a series. It's a very popular series, and I loved it, and I wish I could remember the name of it, because one of the ghosts is a cowboy, and she's like in love with him for years, and he helps her with her regular teenage ghost bust in life and i freaking loved that series and if anyone knows what it's called <laughs> tell me about it i don't i guess things have changed but have they because i'm still in love with this po falling in love storyline even though he's dead he's a ghost i think he deserves love and i'm excited for it it just worries me yeah i fear for him and i somewhat worry about the young woman who's in love with him for the simple fact of she is so young she's got her whole life ahead of her i know she's a ghost inhabiting a teenage girl's body but she's a teenage girl ghost <laughs> yeah. a teenage girl's body we do need to keep that in perspective i think we forget that i definitely forget that yeah i don't know when we decided that just because she died she was wise beyond her years because i don't think that she gained wisdom from yeah. her death but i definitely perceive her as a wise person now 
I think they gave her a lot of responsibility being the fourth manager. <laughs> the intern of the it, ghost hotel. The intern. And now I expect so many things from her that, uh, yeah, she is not earned. She's just some homegirl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think we'll see more from her. I was legitimately afraid for her at the point where God almost killed her, so... Yeah, I'm already attached to her, that's for sure. I'm excited. I still have your prediction corner in the back of my mind that she might be the next CEO of Hotel de Luna. Yeah, I think that would be really cool. She would be the perfect candidate, except now I'm starting to wonder if to be the CEO of Hotel de Luna, you have to have something to atone for. Like maybe... Like body snatching? Yeah. I guess that's sort of a crime. I don't even think she knew she had done it, though, but maybe you don't have to know you did a crime to have done a crime. Because, wow, they're really blurring the lines of what a crime is and how to seek justice for crimes. I am bummed about that one ghost story. If you didn't pick that up from what I just said, getting at (laughs) that point in a roundabout way, super bummed. Think that she should have had more justice. Um, Is that episode seven, the room 13 ghost? Yep. I feel really bad about that. I don't know. It's just hard for me to reconcile the fact that nothing happened to her or him. Sorry. Or well, like something happened. Yeah. Okay, I said that in the complete wrong way. Something happened to him, but, like, it didn't really happen for her, you know? She was gone. It didn't... She was obliterated. Yeah. That's fair. That was a dark moment, and I felt like it was a necessary moment, and one that I was, you know, I understood, so I'm behind it, I'm here for it. But yeah, it was a real bummer. I think the only sort of reconciliation was that the CEO who, like, did everything to her did get murdered in a pretty brutal way. That was uh, super cool. Yeah. I like that it was God that murdered him as well. (laughs) Merciless God. Can we talk about God for a minute? Just, like, transition over to that? Yes, absolutely, because I have a lot of thoughts on how they are portraying God in this K-drama. I love it. Me too. of many faces. What? I think that it's one of the coolest ways I've ever seen a deity portrayed in a work of fiction, fantasy. Oh, and I think it's very... um, From what little I understand about Korea, I think... It plays to their culture really well. I think a lot of people there are um, Christian, and I think many of them are at least monotheistic. So that resonated with me of like, this is going to get your viewers on board as well. Of like, there are many faces to God, but it is one God. We only have one God in this drama. I was like... Just for the fact of the sales, like, you did well, but also the writing of that and the portrayal of it, so good. Yeah, and yeah, to have those moments where they say which face of God will show for this situation, will it be the kind God or the merciless God or, I don't know, just all kinds of gods that are one person i don't know because they're it's so good it's such a good way to conceptualize it i love it i love it oh i'm so here for it 
I also love that they have this main character transitioning again over to Manuel again. She, uh, I love that they've created this character whose flaws include narcissism so great that she frequently challenges God. Yes. It's so good. It's so good. Um, um, sorry, you keep going. I oh, like I was listening. just saying, yeah, I was just going to say how consistent it is with her character. Like there wasn't an inconsistency. There's, there hasn't been one. Cause they, I think last episode we mentioned that she was kind of falling a little bit flat for us. And then, um, as these next few episodes have kind of played out, I, I actually am really appreciating the foundation that they gave us of her being very interested in money and coming from like a past where she had not a whole lot and then kind of rising up, but never once having a lack of pride. Yeah. Cause then when she does stuff like challenge God or lay a curse on someone that God straight up or attempt to lay a curse on someone that God straight up said, do not hurt that child. Like do not touch that person. And she stops in her tracks for two seconds. And then she's like, no, no, I just came up with the perfect way. I, <laughs> I have tricked God. I have tricked the love of my life. Uh, I have won. Cursed. Oh, I just love... Yeah, I think like you said, she kind of fell flat in the first week, but I love Manuel so much. I think they've just lived up to our expectations that they would create this really interesting character. And I like that we get to watch four episodes at a time because we get these little bits and pieces, especially of the like past life where we would just get little flashbacks. But by the end of the fourth episode, they're like, you're done waiting. Here you are. It all plays out. And the freaking flashback where we finally figured out the scene with the wedding and the raid and the murder. Oh, so and satisfying. All of her- guilt that she's been carrying and what souls she was actually transporting to the moon like the moon in for the very first scene of the very first episode yeah she was transporting her her little nomadic tribe that she had been the leader of and mistakenly let down by being fooled by a terrible man oh oh but oh That's so interesting. Like, we didn't get the moment where she actually killed Captain Chongmyung. So we don't know if she ever killed him, and we don't know if he actually, like, betrayed her. Yeah, that's that's something I mentioned to my friend I was watching it with earlier, that, like, maybe he said all of that to try and spare her by saying she helped me find them and led me to this place and so she should be spared or maybe he really was playing her for the fool the whole time right it's so hard like i'm too into the romance so i'm not sold on his betrayal i'm not sold on him just being like you betrayed your clan and now you almost die like i'm still here for yeah like you said the some other guard discovering their hideout and him using her as a traitor to save her life and be the only thing he can do for her or her tribe at that point. Like, last resort, he cannot save them all. He, he has to choose. 
Yeah. In that he, like, sells his love. He sells his pride, and he says, like, I betrayed you. I don't know. I don't know what's real. I don't either, and I love it all. I am so proud of all of the perfect conflicts they've create like created for this because some conflict feels stupid and bad and frustrating and I want out of it and some conflict hurts so good <sighs> and makes my chest ache in just that right way that keeps me coming back for the drama and this I I'm so proud of the conflicts they've created they did um, another one of those perfect conflicts where uh, when Manuel was laying the curse on, um, what's her name? The Mira. Yeah, Mira. Uh, she is so proud of herself and so unapologetic about this curse that she's created uh. to put on this person. And then I was actually, it's the first time I've been legitimately proud of and in admiration of the character of uh, Chan So. Chan Sung? Chan Sung. Nailed it. Second try. Edit that out. That will come out in post. Um, I, uh, I was so proud of the moment that he stepped in and took the curse just because it was very, it was the perfect way to, wow, I don't know where that sound came from. It was the perfect way to turn her pride around on herself to kind of be like was it the perfect plan how does it feel like also in a way that was saving her from i think yeah a a very terrible fate in the future saving her from a terrible fate that he had already promised he'd save her from so like he said kind of uh i already told you that i would be here for you no matter what you did um so look at you now is is this Really the choice that you wanted to make. Is this who you want to become? Because I'll be here, like, deflecting all those bullets that you shoot. So... Ah, look at you, boy. Yeah, that was definitely my favorite moment for him. Because I have not... I don't even... I don't dislike his character. I don't think he's an awful character. I just am not... I wasn't very invested in him until that moment. That's fair. He's a people pleaser, and I think yeah. I uh, identify I with that. that. Yeah, I can relate yeah. to that. But it makes you not super interested to watch him on screen. You want the characters on screen to be either better than you or worse than you. And uh, he was just kind of too much me. <laughs> just like trying to make everyone happy. And uh, that kind of, yeah made him a little boring to watch and i think he had a lot of growth in these four episodes of not just being like less of a scaredy cat but also helping so many people in different ways mostly in the way that he his relationship with manuel changed like you said i think she had so much growth and it was nice seeing him next to her i think that allowed him to change a lot yeah yeah, I'm excited to see more of their relationship because I, I do feel myself definitely buying, like you said, into the romance of the past more than I'm buying into the present romance. Mm-hmm. I'm also very curious to know, I'm interested to know who he's an I- reincarnation of. And by the end of episode eight, I was convinced that he was a reincarnation of the secondary guy of the three dragons from the past. 
But that said, maybe we were right. The the other historical male lead isn't so bad and he's a reincarnation of him because I did say this thing. I said it to my coworkers. I don't know if I said it last week on the podcast. I think the secondary main character, uh, whose name I can't remember, um Yan Wu? Yeah, Yan Wu. I think he might be her brother. Do you think they're what? in love? Do you think they're in love and I've missed the mark on that? I think that they've kept all of the scenes that could be interpreted either romantically or not nebulous enough that they could turn it around at any point. Yeah. And and I'm willing to admit that I've missed the mark. If it turns out he's rom- romantically interested in her, I, I'm willing to be like, okay, I was just interpreting that differently. I think it's a good theory because it seems like you're supposed to assume that they're romantically interested or he's at least romantically interested in her, Mm -hmm. which makes it a good theory because it's such a twist. Yeah. But then then there's no good true love for her in the past because the good true love she had was not good and true. If that's the case versus... was it? I'm still here. I'm still waiting for them to turn it around and save this (laughs) romance for me. Please. (laughs) Please. Uh, Yeah, we've got so much going on in the past, which makes me really, really interested in what's going on in the present, which I think is super helpful because Mira currently is the most obnoxious, not obnoxious, just annoying person on the planet, and the moment she enters the drama, you just are annoyed with her. But I feel like you start being annoyed with her because she's a second female lead, like, she's an ex-girlfriend that's gonna show up and start some drama, stir the pot, but then Chan Song actually doesn't like her, and you're like, yeah. okay, so we are validated in hating her, so we can all hate her together. So to have this, like, next level storyline of like Manuel trying to kill her for her past life and you being like okay now like she's annoying but we don't have to murder her (laughs) for her deeds that she did in a past life uh I think is really really well done I think it's a good layer of drama yeah, no, I I do like that a lot. I also like the conflict it makes me feel because I get so frustrated with Manuel for her even thinking that yeah that that Mira matters at all. Yeah, it's really hard to watch her. First of all, not trust Chun Song at all and not uh, communicate with him. Like that's pretty rough. But then to also watch her just completely misunderstand the situation because she's so smart otherwise she's whip smart and ruthless and super beautiful and dresses so well she dresses so so well um (laughs) and then to just have her have this one social incompetency where she just can't seem to get over this thing that isn't a thing to even have to get over it's so interesting he could literally cut mira out of his life very quickly, if Manuel didn't keep continually try and like bring Mira into their circle, yeah. if you'll just like let her go, I think she'll slip away in the wind. Um, I thought, okay, I thought hundred percent for sure we were gonna have a move in trope, 
and Sean Sung was going to move into the hotel. Yeah. What yeah, is yeah. this? What is this? That you guys are messing this up, Manuel. Looking at you, you're the one messing it up. You could have just <laughs> asked him to move in with you, but instead, you tried to kill Mira. And of course, he's going to step in. And that yeah. was the only, I don't know, that was the only way that I could see him, that I could support him stepping in between them. I, yeah, like I said, I think it could have been easily written where he cuts Mira off and she kind of like fades from his life. It seemed like he wasn't interested in her in any way and uh, she was going to disappear. So I appreciate that the way that they have been entangling Mira and Chansung has been really instigated by Manuel's foolish actions. It all just yes. makes sense, and it's really well done, and I'm proud of them, because I'm so mad, but I think I that's a, how I'm supposed to feel. So yeah. Yeah, good job, guys. You got us. <laughs> you got the emotions out of me. I got the emotions. I'm angry, but, like, I get why I'm angry. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I feel like it's been a while since I was consistently... I don't know. I So the last K-drama, if you aren't listening to our podcast episodes or like the dramas we do in chronological order, the last drama that we did was Healer. And I did feel a lot of things from Healer. I was really, really invested in Healer. But um, something that more modern K-dramas do, uh, especially the ones that go with the fantasy trope, like, um, for example, Guardian, Huayugi, we we mentioned them, or like we mentioned them in the last episode, and I will probably continue to mention them because this one feels so reminiscent of those two. Uh, but they do these little subplots, and I rem- remember Huayugi doing them and uh, them feeling very interesting, like they were little mysteries within the, the plots. And then I remember Goblin doing them, and they weren't mysteries so much as little short stories, emotional short stories that uh, where we saw the Grim Reaper helping people move on to the next life in in Guardian slash Goblin, however you know it. Um, And this K-drama has struck a balance between the two where it's got the little mysteries, but then they end up having really, really emotional endings to them. And it's so touching. The The bride one actually kind of got me a little bit. I was so sad for her. I was so heartbroken for her. But I was also so proud of her for letting go of the relationship and moving on on her own. Yeah. And I feel like they all do a very good job of, like, tying back to the main characters really well. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's a classic, like, TV method to, like, have this almost, like, procedural, where, like, episode five was the Corpse Bride episode. Episode six was, uh, was that the King, I think? Yeah. And then episode seven was Room 13. Episode eight, uh, oh, that was Mira's episode, so it was a little, back to the main storyline a little bit more. Yeah. But we had those three episodes in the middle where it's just like ghost, 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 and all these different life lessons and grand moral stories. And I think instead of them feeling like we're getting sidetracked, they do a really great job of tying back to the two main characters. So not only are you interested in like the morality and the beauty 
of each of these stories, you're also still kept in the drama really well. Yeah, it doesn't eject you at any point into any other storyline. It's just an aspect of what's going on with them, and it plays into the themes that they're confronting as they grow and change and think about the past, and it's so good. I love subplots. I love good subplots, especially because I think that good subplots stop the K-drama from escalating too quickly or from dragging on without escalation too slowly. Like, they give us little bursts of energy within each episode that allows the main plot to continue to just kind of, like, ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. And I really, really like that they have that aspect in this K-drama. Me too. They're doing such a good job of it. I really, really like it. Um, One person that we didn't see was Coffee Ghost. We never got an end. I thought that we'd get the end of Coffee Ghost. Maybe he will be episode nine subplot. Maybe. Maybe he'll come <laughs> back. Was he everyone else's favorite character? Was he just ours? <laughs> I assume he oh. was everyone's. Yeah, he had obviously. another romantic scene on the balcony, and I was really surprised that he wasn't there. Yeah. What even is their romance without Coffee Ghost there? You know that line that they keep bringing up of, like, the view is less lonely, or the view is, like, more beautiful with someone by my side? It's like, <laughs> but where is Coffee Ghost? <laughs> by your side always. By your side always. It's you two. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you guys <laughs> are having a thing. But, like, there is a third that is meant to be here. And it's Coffee Ghost. It's Coffee Ghost. Are you my Coffee Ghost to me and Jason's relationship? Or is he our Coffee Ghost? (laughs) Is Manuel our Coffee Ghost? I feel like maybe, okay, so there's a Coffee Ghost in every group of friends. And whoever Coffee Ghost is depends on the combination that you use. Because I think I'm definitely Coffee Ghost to you and Jason's relationship. But I would say that Manuel is coffee ghost to mine in your relationship. That's fair, but I feel like just now we had a conversation, the three of us, a little behind the scenes, Manuel's still in the room. <laughs> Maybe I'm coffee jo- ghost No, to I you. think I was the coffee ghost to you and Manuel, because you guys are, like, in the same room. <laughs> you're just, you're having there. Having a good time, and I'm just spooking with a cup computer. of coffee. <laughs> I was drinking coffee. (laughs) You were the coffee ghost. I was the coffee ghost in this situation. Maybe, yeah, maybe coffee ghost is a situational uh, entity. I think so. It's a fluid identity. It's a fluid identity. (laughs) Both fluid in that it could be anyone, depending on the situation, and fluid because he's got a cup of coffee with him. (laughs) The coffee. The liquid. The fluid. We're all... We're all there. <laughs> yeah, and Manuel is in the room, so he did definitely hear. He's definitely the coffee ghost right now. Because <laughs> uh, he's not saying anything. Yeah, Just spooking. There's a coffee ghost right here, right now. <laughs> so, okay, Hotel de Luna, where's our <laughs> coffee ghost? We need an ending. Yep. Otherwise, this joke will never die. And yeah, that's true. And K holds its jokes. Forever. forever. 
Um, if you don't know who Bus Stop Girl is, please go back and listen to the first episodes. Uh, first when we episodes did... we ever recorded. Yeah, of W. Awful. Do not listen to them. But, but you have to to get the jokes. Yeah. Thanks for listening for so long, people who know who Bus Stop Girl is. I think we ex- also explain it in our new intro episode, so if you don't want to listen to us recording on a $20 microphone, <laughs> I can't blame you. Save your ears. Listen to our new intro episode. We'll explain some of our inside jokes. Yep. Some um, of the many. So I know that last week we said that uh, maybe, like, fashion was too overwhelming to talk about in this K-drama. Yeah. But that said, it's so hard because I have so many favorite outfits, but I do think I chose a favorite outfit this episode, or this this group of four. Okay. What was it? If it was the pants, we can't be friends anymore. It was not. Okay. I... Uh, okay, so I will say this was not my favorite, but it was like a close second. I did like the leather pencil skirt with the big puffy top. Ooh, okay, that's a I good thought, one. I thought that made some interesting lines. I've been watching a lot of Project Runway recently, Ooh. and I, I was like, that one, that one would get a good score. <laughs> Michael Kors and Nina Garcia would give that a ten out of ten. But no, I uh. I think my absolute favorite was the red outfit, the really drapey one. I can't even remember what part she wears it at, but was, like... I th- was that for the wedding? She might have been wearing it at the re- wedding, but yeah, it's like kind of... It's like wrapped kind of tight on in a high neckline uh-huh. in the front, and then it like drapes around her arms. And, um, you know, I'm actually a big proponent proponent of wearing whatever color you want and everyone looks great in all the colors and do you boo-boo but also uh i will just say that she looks really really good in red like she looks so pretty in red she looks so pretty in red oh it was the wedding one because then he's like you look like you're getting married because red is a traditional wedding dress thanks so much korean dramas for teaching us about historical culture thank you um, I think I was really into her hair and her headpieces these last episodes, so I don't have, like, a favorite outfit, but I think two favorite neck-up looks were one where she was the queen. Um, that was dope. Queens of the Joseon era knew what was up. They had that braid game. Oh my god, that was really cool. Obviously her dress was gorgeous, but, like, the headpiece blew me away. Then there's the episode where they confront the the imaginary ghost, the imaginary friend, and she's wearing, like, her hair is, like, swooped over her ear, and it seems like something that I would try really hard to make my hair do that I could just never figure out. So it was enchanting to watch. Just, like, she kept putting sunglasses on. She had, like this beautiful hat. Just the swoop was really, like, catching my eye, and I know that's the stupidest thing, (laughs) because everything about this show catches my eye. It is an eye-catching show. Sometimes you just get enchanted by the weirdest things. Yeah, no, I feel that. When she wore the big white hat, I couldn't stop thinking about how perfectly it curved around her face, so... It curved so perfectly, and also it really is one of those things that I was like, did somebody make that hat, like, on set? Did somebody... It looked like somebody took a black hat 
and like magically tied a sheet around it. The drapiness of the fabric on the hat like really freaked me out and I did not love it. And I think that made me love the magic of the hat even more. As a whole, its image was like really hard to look away from. <laughs> and then they'd zoom in on it and I'd be like, is this wrong? What is happening? Why is there so much fabric going on on a hat? It's so bad it's good. It's so bad it's good. This is why we can't have a fashion corner, because somebody's going to email me and be like, that hat is $2,000. Yeah. I mean... That hand did not make that. Everything she wears is $2,000. Mm-hmm. She wore a breakfast at Tiffany's outfit. Yeah. That absolutely blew me away. It was so good. And she finished it off with a Subway sandwich. And I was like, this is Korea. This is iconic. You've done it. You've done it. You've <laughs> this taken is everything. New York. You've taken class. And you've made it Korea. Yep. <laughs> there was not one thing about that that wasn't Korean. Uh, they took, yep, they took everything that I needed from them, and they made a perfect... I need to make that my new uh, desktop screensaver. Breakfast at <laughs> Tiffany's. I, you, but, dressed as breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. With a Subway sandwich. That's And then whenever someone asks, what is this? I will say, Korean drama. It All is of it. Korean drama. All of it. Look, listen. <laughs> Audrey Hepburn, who is she? We don't know her. We don't know her. We don't need her. Okay. Yeah. Um, thank God they went to Subway like six times in these episodes. We finally got some gosh dang product placement in these episodes. <laughs> you know what I was missing? Nescafe. Nestle. Yeah. yeah, yeah what yeah. was that tea? Some tea? Um, some of the tea. And then Subway. Subway. Nine times. Now I feel like I've watched a K-drama. Now I feel like I've watched a K-drama. How did they support the show for the first four episodes? I don't know. <laughs> the promise that they would go to Subway. The, the ever-present ethereal Subway that's in the back of our minds when we watch K-dramas. He was always watching. And they, they said, Subway, can we please leave you out of the first four episodes so that people will be too hooked on the show to leave once we start filming exclusively <laughs> in Subways. Oh, you know who else they got to advertise for them? Who? Uh, the Diamond Place. This oh, I'm the opposite of classy. Everyone knows the name of the crystals, like the Swarovski. Swarovski? Swarovski crystals. Ah, I didn't even notice that. Is that was the that Breakfast at Tiffany scene? Oh, yeah. Actually, that was these episodes. Man. That makes sense. They also had the Tansan right up there, right after the crystals. Yeah. Oh, and Land Rover. <gasps> oh, yeah. She she's like... walking through the garage, and it's like just Land Rovers. <laughs> okay, you got a brand. She knows what she likes. She knows what she likes, and Korean dramas know where to get their money from. Mm-hmm. Uh, when my coworker, who saw me and my other coworker watching K dramas, said, "This is a really high production." Uh, drama they're doing a great job i should have been like clearly they got uh land rover and say it again swarovski <laughs> swarovski crystals i sure hope i'm <laughs> saying it right i'm so proud of myself <laughs> if i am but yeah that i mean they've got that good money 
They this is actually money. this is the first time I'm really conceptualizing why the production value of the show is so high. They got deep pockets. They started at Subway and they kept asking for more. That's where the CGI tiger budget came from. This ain't no Baskin Robbins stuff. <laughs> this is Subway. This is Land Rover. This is Subway and Land Rover. <laughs> a collaboration for the generation. <laughs> This is it, guys. We <laughs> messed this up. We were supposed to go in order. I have two solid pages of notes, <laughs> and I think I've used none of them. We'll get them next time, Tiger. We'll get them next time, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really know how to come in and derail your notes. I'm just like a chaotic, neutral, non-note taker, walking <laughs> in and stomping all over your podcasting <laughs> dreams. We were going to have an organized podcast. This was going to be our time to shine. But after almost three years, Raquel still gets me off track. <laughs> you make this podcast better than it could have ever been. We do that together. We do that together. And if you want to be a part of this mess, <laughs> you can uh, join our Discord channel. We have it through Patreon. Patreon.com slash playonk. And there you can access the Discord and chat with us and other K-drama lovers about your favorite dramas and the drama we're watching right now. And you know, if you get up in there and start talking, if you'll allow us, we'll totally use your comments on the show. We will steal your ideas <laughs> and use them for our show. But then we'll say your name with them. So that and people know we stole them. Yeah. If we said something smart, people would be too suspicious. They would never trust us anyways. <laughs> That's true. If you've been listening this long and you think that we're capable of really coherently saying a thing, then do you know us at all? Do you know us at all? So yeah. Hop on our Patreon. Say hi on Discord. Yeah. Man, I would love that. I can't wait to talk with you guys there. And uh, we've got a couple other places if you want to write to us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We might use any of the things you say in those letters as well if it's okay with you. Just let us know if it's not. And we will totally write you back because we love to talk about K-dramas. Yeah, you can find all of our episodes and there you can leave a comment directly on the episodes on our website, playonk.com. And you can also sign up for our newsletter to find out when we start a new show. Yes, Ch head over there to check out a lot of information. And then uh, come and tweet at us on our Twitter. Our handle is at playonk. And you can just give us some little digestible reviews that we can tweet back little digestible responses. <laughs> We are also on iTunes, and if you go over there and you leave a rating and give us a review, we will totally shout you out on the podcast. We would absolutely love you forever, and it would mean the world to us. So, of course, we would give you a little shout out and say, like, thank you for reviewing our show. We're at Play on K. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. And, oh. First, thanks to James Hevel for our beautiful, wonderful theme song. We love it and we love you. We love it and we love you and we love you all for listening. We'll see you next week for the next four episodes of Hotel De Luna. K-bye! K-bye!